Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, good morning. You're listening to Home. I'm Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. We are broadcasting this morning live from the Great Pacific Air Show at the Huntington Beach Pier in Huntington Beach. The show is going to start right after we go off the air today. And uh, there's already good crowds forming up. It's going to be an awesome day. It's a beautiful day today. The sky is clear. The temperature is perfect. I'm in my flip-flops. Isabella and I actually get to look at each other today because we're actually in the same room. It's awesome. Tina's off having breakfast somewhere. Oh, she's, you know we had breakfast at the end of the pier at, at Ruby's this morning, which was awesome. I had to leave the family early to get over here. But... Uh, it is just a gorgeous day. Uh, we got a couple of special air show things coming up today. I think at 9.30, we're going to be talking to one of the vendors here. And then at 10.30, we're going to be talking to the director of the air show as well. And if anybody wants to wander by the booth and has a question about uh, your home, uh, I might actually take a couple of questions live today, face-to-face. So come on down to the air show. Find the booth. It's impossible to miss because they have put us in, like, a gigantic concert venue stage for little old me just sitting here. Uh, actually, this was for Gary and Shannon and Neil. I'm just like an, an no, appendix. You're just as I'm just an appendix. Dean. No, you're just as important. Yeah, well, just keep telling me that. That's a good thing. It's good for me. Anyway, uh, we're actually going to do an actual show today as well. And uh, what do I want to talk about today? Well,. Uh, I want to talk about special environments. We're in a special environment today. So what do I mean by special environments? I mean that there are times when uh, we find ourselves building, some of us building, in environments that aren't your typical average Southern California environment, not the environment that most of us live in. The majority of Southern Californians live, you know, on the coast, but coast is a relative term, isn't it? If you're looking at the globe as a whole and you're looking at North America, everybody who lives in Southern California lives on the coast. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about today is the idea that uh, there are folks who live right on the coast. 
meaning right near the water, beach living, coastal living. There are also, because Southern California is so massive, there are those of us who live in the mountains. And for mountains, we're going to say, let's say, 2,000 feet above sea level and greater. And the basin and the desert, because we have them all. Southern California is a massive, massive place. Just the greater Los Angeles metropolitan area. If you take its total acreage, we are just slightly larger than the entire state of Maine and several other states as well. So we cover a massive area, and as a result, we've got different microclimates. So when I say special environment, I'm talking about microclimates within Southern California. And we will probably get started with, in fact, I think we will. We're going to get started with uh, coastal uh, because we're at the beach today. Surf City, USA, Huntington Beach, California. There's probably right behind me now, there's probably a couple of hundred surfers in the water who have been here uh, since way before we got here. And we got here pretty early. They've been here since sunrise. So they're having a blast. And, of course, the air show is going to be awesome today. I heard yesterday it was just that somebody buzzed the uh, stage here and uh, Morgan, producer Morgan, almost completely lost it. So... Oh, God. So beware, <laughs> Bella. Just be aware. I'll be calm. Okay. Um, what do we need to know today? Uh, what did I say? You know what? Today, oh, are the speakers on now? Yeah. Can you guys ready. hear me now out there? All right. Hey, people who are here can actually hear what's going on now. Uh, it is National Noodle Day, and it is National Plus Size Day appreciation day yeah they must go together i think they do <laughs> i think they've paired them up for a reason okay let's dive in salt air at the beach that is the thing that uh, is probably the most invasive and technically corrosive element of uh, coastal living probably most of the folks uh, who were here early this morning live nearby and you guys understand that so when we say coastal here is the, the thing that we want to identify. Do you have any idea what the actual definition of coastal air is as far as the salt content in the air? Anybody? It is about a half a mile, a little over uh, 3,000 feet. So if you live at the water, on the water, or within 3,000 feet or a half a mile-ish of the water, then you live in the atmospheric zone uh, that can be described as pure beach weather. And you live in a zone with an extraordinarily high concentration of salt in the air. And that salt has an effect on the structures that we live in. It has an effect on uh, the flashings, has an effect on your roof, it has an effect on the wood, everything. So salt air and metal corrosion is probably one of the key elements to consider when we're talking about coastal living. There are three zones within that zone. The three zones are A, things in a beach house, and now we're talking right on the water, that are fully submerged. And, uh, you know, we've built some beach houses in the, the past, upwards uh, in the Malibu area, where there are components that are fully submerged. We're talking about piers, pylons that go all the way down into the water, that at high tide, the water uh, is actually creeping up underneath the house. Fully submerged elements, that's number one. 
the second zone in the coastal zone is what we call intermittently wet and dry. So that's in the splash zone. It's in the tidal zone. So sometimes they're wet when the tide is high and storms are raging. Sometimes they're dry when things are calm and the tide is low. The third zone is the atmospheric zone. And that is uh, that applies to everybody who lives within 3,000 feet of the water. That is just meaning that you you know the structure itself is, is above high tide level. Nothing about the house gets particularly wet from the ocean directly. Now, of those three zones, which do you think are the most subject to coastal deterioration? Uh, I'll put it this way. Of those three zones, which, which do you think is the least subject to coastal deterioration? Here's the thing. It's the fully submerged stuff that is the least subject to deterioration. It's like the pier sitting here uh, to my right. The pier has got pylons that have been stuck down in that water for decades, and they're doing just fine. And the reason is that in order to really get that salt oxidation, and there's the key, you need oxygen. Oh, Tina, you brought coffee. Oh, my gosh, Tina's here, and she just brought coffee. All right. Uh, so you need oxidation. So the, the reality is, if you're actually in the water you're actually safer and uh, and the materials are going to last longer because the water purges out most of the oxygen but when you're in a situation where you've got moist salt air and intermittent moisture from the ocean itself those are the areas most dangerous uh, to the home as far as oxygen exposure when we come back we're going to dive into the metals that are all around your house, which ones are the right ones, which ones are the wrong ones, and uh, how to deal with the whole thing. I'm so glad you guys joined me this morning. You're listening to Home with Dean Sharp, the House Whisper. Now the news. KFI, Dean Sharp, the house whisperer at your service. You are listening to Home, where every week we help you better understand that place where you live. We are live today from the Great Pacific Air Show at the Huntington Beach Pier in Huntington Beach, California. I'm sitting in a massive stage that is way larger than I deserve to be sitting in, uh, but it's cool. It makes you feel, actually, it makes me feel very small. By the way, uh, it this will make me feel more important. Uh, I actually do know Bill Handel's uh, stripper name, but uh, I've been sworn to secrecy on that. So, uh, But I can be bought. All right? Just want to let you know. Uh, we got some things coming up. Uh, is it going to? Nope. Okay. Yeah. Things coming up later in the show. We're going to be talking to one of the big vendors here at the air show. And then in the second hour of the show, we'll be talking to the director of the air show, getting his uh, input as to how this all came about and how things are going and all of that stuff. In the meantime, uh, I think uh, Bella is actually at some point going to be walking around with a microphone uh, for those who are here. If anybody has any questions about their home, we're going to take face-to-face questions today, if that's a thing. And the other thing is we're actually doing our show today. And uh, Tina is sitting here next to me. This is awesome, right? Are you having fun? I'm having fun, but I'm not. Your mic isn't on, so that's all right. 
Boy, in real life, if that could just be the thing. Just... Oh, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. You know I'm kidding. All right, we're talking about special environments for your home today. What do I mean by that? I simply mean that there are homes, uh, the majority of homes in Southern California are kind of in the same zone. We're out there in the basin. Uh, we get, generally speaking, the same weather. But there are microclimates in Southern California because it's such a big place. The beach is one of them. Coastal environments. The mountains uh, are another microenvironment. And the desert is yet another microenvironment here in our area. Uh, before the break, I was talking to you about corrosion at the beach, and that really is. I mean, when it comes down to it, 90% of the conversation about building homes at the beach comes down to some form of corrosion prevention. And I mentioned that there are different zones. There are areas where parts of you literally even live in a beach house, uh, parts of the house that might be fully submerged all the time. There are times uh, where things are intermittently wet. And then most people live at the coast in what we call the atmospheric zone. If you live within a half a mile of the water, you live in the coastal atmospheric zone, meaning that there is a large concentration of salt in the air. And that salt in the air, along with the moisture and the air itself, creates a corrosive uh, situation for certain elements of your house, way above uh, the corrosiveness of the air any further inland. So we're really talking a special environment of 3,000 feet or so, about a half a mile uh, roughly from the water itself. So what kind of metals are the metals that get used on houses? And the, one of the problems is that when tract builders come through and they just build and build and build, and you've heard me well, you hear me constantly rail on this idea of saving money uh, and cutting costs over quality. Steel, steel is, is no doubt the worst corrosive element that you can put in a coastal environment. Carbon steel, that's what we call it. And I'm not going to get into the nerd weeds this morning about the chemical makeup of metals. I'm just telling you, standard unprotected carbon steel has, uh, it is at 100 times more prone to corrosion than things like aluminum, and it's about 8,000 times more prone to corrosion than stainless steel. Standard carbon steel, and that's because of some of the alloys and the mixes in the steel itself. Now, builders, though, because steel is so cheap, they think, well, you know what? We can get away with uh, galvanizing the metal. So, it goes through this galvanic process in which, and you guys have all seen that, galvanized metal, sheet metal. It's got that kind of rough, uh, sort of silverish looking coating on it. The problem with that is, the problem with that in a coastal environment is that salt air tends to stick to metals. And if there are any, and, and especially salt air likes to stick to rough metal surfaces. So if there are any divots, cracks, chips in the galvanization whatsoever, in the coating at all, and there always are, they always end up forming, then the carbon steel underneath is exposed and boom, the rust starts to take place. So there have to be better metals to use on a house and to replace your, uh, on your house when the old stuff rusts out than steel or even galvanized steel. And so we're talking about aluminum and copper and stainless steel. Aluminum and copper do okay. They do okay. We're going to talk about that a little bit after the break. But where I want to turn your attention, if you're a coastal inhabitant building uh, near the coast within 3,000 feet of the water, 
is stainless steel. But even there, there's a catch. We'll talk about that when we come back. KFI AM 640. Yeah, you hear various things going on down here. Lots of mics are on live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You're home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. What are we doing? We are saving America from bad design decisions. One home at a time, starting with yours. And today, if you're listening in the background, the various things that are going on, we are broadcasting live from the Great Pacific Air Show at the Huntington Beach Pier in... Huntington Beach, California, and it is a gorgeous, beautiful day. And I was just going to go on talking about uh, corrosive uh, coastal environment stuff, but uh, Bella's out uh, among the people, and uh, she told me that uh, we got a couple of questions. So, uh, yes, sir. Dean, Rick Denman, and I love your show. Thank you so much. Um, accidentally, I walked away, and I didn't hear the whole part of something that was very amusing to me. Somebody had called in and talked about how fast he was able to frame his house with screws or something. And you said, no, you want to use nails because nails move and the house will move. Is that, is, did I hear that correctly? I was kind of at a distance and I didn't get the, the whole thing. You, you totally know? heard that correctly. Oh, did I? Yeah, and I'll tell you why. Okay, so it's a, it's a really good question because, uh, you know, we live in the age of the screw gun, right? Now is... It is it, it is uh, far more likely that uh, all of you have a battery-powered screw gun at home than you have a really good hammer, right? Uh, and you probably touch it more and use it more than ever touching the hammer. So there is this assumption that, and, it, and it, unfortunately it's a wrong assumption, that uh, screws are the future of uh, framing houses and that nails and hammers are these archaic things. Well... The, half of that is true. Nails are really old. That is an archaic thing. But here's the thing. I say this all the time uh, in answering a lot of different questions because it's simply a principle of construction, of engineering that uh, people need to understand. And you know what? It's true in life, too. So here, I'm getting all philosophical on you. Things that are strong are usually just strong in one way, okay? In, or in a couple of ways. And and weak in other ways. You take concrete, for example. Concrete has this amazing compressive strength. You can park an aircraft carrier on, uh, you know, on a slab of concrete. If you were to put that kind of weight on a piece of wood, it would crush it, okay? And yet, the reason we put, have to put steel, reinforcing steel inside concrete, that when we, is when we stretch concrete out, concrete is actually compressively strong, but in, in tensile strength, concrete is very brittle. It can just snap, right? You can just hit it with a hammer. You can crack it. Strong in one way, weak in another way. So how does this apply to our house? So many guys these days tell me, yeah, you know what I did is I forget about the nails. I took, my, I took these three and a half inch screws and I framed the whole wall in screws. Well, screws, in order to survive the screwing in process, have to be very hardened metal, very strong. Nails could not be screwed in that way. They're such soft metal. They're basically cut from wire, a large gauge wire. So a nail would twist all up and just break off. So the screw, as it goes into the wood, super strong, okay? but brittle. That's the problem. 
a screw is by definition more brittle than a nail. So since nails are essentially made out of, of wire and the, the connections that we make, a stud to a top plate, top plates into each other, studs to the bottom plate, and the fact that that wall has been designed like in an earthquake to flex, right, to shift, to move a little bit. That kind of flexion and movement when an earthquake hits is the kind of thing that can snap a screw, okay, because it's strong in the sense of drill, drilling it in, but what we really want out of it is uh, we want it to be flexible enough to hold up to that side-to-side -side lateral movement. So, yes, nails are old, but they're not obsolete. They are what we put walls together with. Screws, sometimes for special things. So really, really good question. We have somebody else? Yes. Hey, good morning, Dean. Good morning. Painting, painting contractor in the area. Uh -oh. Speaking of coastal properties and protecting all that's involved. Yes. Best types of primers and paints on wood and metal surfaces in these areas that can prolong finishes and all that's involved. Thank you. I'm sorry, was, I, I missed the question part. So the be best type of paints and primers in the coastal regions. Oh, okay, I got you. kind of would protect our work. In all right, well, everything. you know that Benjamin Moore is a sponsor of our show. All right, so uh, I'm not going to send you anywhere else. But here's this is the legitimate truth, though, I, I'll tell you. So Benjamin Moore is getting a free spot in show. Um, I, we went chasing after them. They didn't come chasing after us because I literally have, have after having used over the last 35 years, like every paint imaginable, I personally have settled in and am and so comfortable with their stuff. But as you know, you're a painting contractor. Uh, there are a lot of good paints on the market, right? A lot of decent paints that will get it done. You always want to pick the paint that you, I always tell people, buy the best paint you can afford. I don't want to break the bank on you, but buy the best paint that you can afford. But most importantly, as you know, prep is everything when it comes to painting. Preparation. It's 90% of the job. And really, isn't it true when you're bidding out a job, the difference between you and the guy who undercut you by a few thousand bucks, you know it's not the paint that they're using, right? It's not the paint. It's the labor that you're putting in to strip off what's there, prep what's there, fill holes, fix rotted wood, sand, prepare the surface, get the primer on really good, and so on as you go along, right? That's the thing. So a good paint job is all about prep. It's 90% prep, 10% paint, but when it comes to the paint, you want to buy the, the best one that you can afford. So that's my thought on that. I'm sorry? He's asking which one would you Oh, I would use Benjamin Moore. For coastal region. Oh, for a coastal region? Uh, you know, th there, to my knowledge, there aren't any paints that are specifically designed for coastal regions. There are just really good quality, well-bonded exterior paints, right? I'm not a fan of, like, the spray text uh, stuff, uh, again, because I think it's kind of a, a cheat, and uh, it looks like it goes on real thick, but I don't really care how thick it goes on. What I care about is how well it's bonding, and I've walked up to so many homes with the spray text coat that are just peeling and bubbling off, again, because it wasn't prepped right and wasn't bonded right. All right, so, all right, we got to go. Uh, when we come back, I think I'm going to be talking to Kathy Thomas from Vitalink, who is one of our uh, vendors here at the show. She's got something to share with us, and she might have a question as well.
KFI. Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. Welcome home and welcome to the Great Pacific Air Show at the Huntington Beach Pier in Huntington Beach, California, Surf City, USA. It is a beautiful, breezy, warmish, completely clear day for the air show today. And uh, we're uh, talking about special environments uh, on the show today. I'm also going to be taking a couple of more questions from folks who are here, face-to-face questions about their own uh, home issues as well. I'm going to get back to, uh, because I need to, I need to get back to talking about the actual metals that are going to survive on your beach house, and then we'll move on to some other environments as well. And i got some important AC info to give you in regards to beach houses also. But... Sitting with me right now is Kathy Thomas from... No, Johnson. Kathy Johnson. Why did they say Thomas I, I here? I don't know. I'm sorry, I Kathy. don't know her. <laughs> well, where is Kathy Thomas? I think she's over there we don't at, know. The, at the other She doesn't booth, even so. exist. No. All right. Kathy Johnson. Kathy President. Johnson from Vital Link. Yeah. And uh, you're one of the vendors here at the show. Yes. Uh, in fact, your booth is like right out in front of our stage here mm-hmm. uh, uh, on the street, facing the street next to the pier. Uh You've got a background in construction also, which is awesome. Tell us about Vital Link and what's going on. What are you guys doing? So Vital Link's a nonprofit, and we're considered an intermediary if in the in the um, real estate world. Think of it like a broker bringing two parties together, and we work with education um, at the high school level, which also includes what they call regional occupational program. That's the technical classes, as well as community colleges. And those classes, the ROP and the career education classes, are growing, and they have been for a number of years, and uh, they need business support uh, to keep current and relevant with the content uh, so that they're teaching things that are current in the industry, and business wants that pipeline. There's a huge need for workers, and we have a lot of... uh, seniors that are going to be retiring over the next five years and the pipeline the workforce trained workforce pipeline isn't really all there yet so the schools are playing catch up to that and trying to build those programs out and they are really really sophisticated we're really excited about what we see there so based in the schools high schools and uh colleges rop yeah high school level and um college community college level and so we're talking about the it's an occupational like career interface that you guys Mm -hmm. do and it's a very Mm -hmm. unique program like tell me about like on the construction side because obviously that's the most important career you can ever go into my that's 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 your background you actually got into it this way. I there did. you go. High five. Um, so tell us, like, <laughs> give, give me an example okay. of what you guys do in regards to construction. Sure. So the construction teachers um, periodically need professional development. So what's going on? When solar was becoming more and more and then became required uh, for new construction, we brought in the uh, solar companies and the teachers and brought them together so the teachers knew what they were learning. They needed to learn about um, solar um, installations and construction and solar design, jobs, exactly. solar jobs, etc. And then, um, so professional development, keeping them current. And then there is the hands-on activities because especially young people who are interested in getting into construction, they're very m- much onto doing and it's not theory. They want to make, they want to build. 
So we support, in partnership with the Building Industry Association of Southern California, a um, project, it's project-based learning, and the students uh, build a one-room building over a weekend, it will be in April, and throughout the school year they need that extra assistance and support and logistics and so Vital Link provides that and coordinates that and brings that the building industry together, the schools together, and they work on that competition. And you say this workshop is essentially a, a realistic job site scenario. Yes, that, that event, it's two days, Saturday and Sunday. So there's a lot of cussing? Yes, <laughs> there is. There's a lot. Shh. Okay. No. That's not so, to be so what do you mean a realistic so, job so site? We you run, run it, it like th a job So we have site. like 15 different schools that mm -hmm. are all competing together, and it's like building a housing track. And so we actually have building inspectors there from various different cities. Newport Beach, I think, is our longest serving uh, building inspectors. We have OSHA for safety inspection. Uh, we hold it at a lumber yard, reliable lumber. And so they get their materials and they have their drawings and they then build this one room building. It's like a six foot by eight foot of mm -hmm. uh, the flooring, the walls, framing, roofing, uh, window, door. Over the weekend. Over the weekend. Start early Saturday morning and they're done on Sunday. And it's a competition for completion, competition for meeting building code, competition for safety. And we've had a variety of different schools that participate all around Southern California, not just Orange County, and it's called the Design Build Competition. And it's, I'm, I age myself. I started it, it's either 30 or 31 years ago. You're not sure? 30 or 31? No, it's in there somewhere. After a certain point, the, you know, you don't the individual years I don't even remember my own children's age anymore. <laughs> no, they're, too, they're getting too old for so me. So that's a really hands-on interface. And Very much that's so. That's just an example of construction, but you guys... Right. You guys are seeking to do that in 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 all sorts of yeah. career so fields. So say in medical. Right. And I was going, all right, what do we do to make this as real life for medical students? You do a like surgery. Like we did the construction. You do, you a, do a, sur a surgery. A weekend surgery. We do a mock surgery. Oh, my gosh. I was just joking. At a hospital. Okay. Oh, it's a mock surgery. It's a mock surgery, but it looks real. Kids get sick to their stomach. It's, okay. It absolutely looks real. So we do a mock surgery. We do these with Saddleback Memorial. The next one coming up is at Hogue Hospital. That's an orthopedic. They're lapis. Hogue in Newport Beach? Uh-huh. Where I was born. Yeah. We do a meniscus surgery I can go down there. Maybe there. I can be there for the... Uh, yeah. Come maybe visit. Maybe I can be the fake patient. We, we do bring those on. Yeah, All right. We need, well, I need people on gurneys. Okay. So, and, uh, but uh, laparoscopic, and it looks real. That's amazing. Yeah. That's great. All right. So you guys are here. And other things. Uh, we're pushed up against the break. Okay. You guys are here. So uh, when people come down to the air show, if they find the Vital Link uh, booth, your tent mm. up there, mm -hmm. uh, basically you're here to let the community know all of these schools and all, all of the these classes. So a lot of parents have no idea that you're actually doing this, and you're in right. all of these schools all over mm -hmm. the area. Mm -hmm. So if you're here coming down to the air show, stop at the Vital Link yep. booth, and you will be able to find out everywhere you guys are, and the website yes. also. So it's Vital Link with double L's, then OC.org. Vital link. OC. OC. Dot dot ORG. And we have colleges here too with drones and all kinds of stuff uh, that can do hands on things. Awesome. Kathy. We have a 3D printer at our booth too. You do? We do. All right, I'm going to go up there and print something. Okay. Kathy, thank you so much You're for welcome. being on the show. All right, everybody. Uh, when we come back, uh, I'm going to get back around to talking about the metal that's falling off your house and why and how to stop it from happening if you live within the beach zone. And then. Uh, we're going to move to the mountains. You are listening to Home with Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer. The second hour is approaching KFI AM 640. <laughs>
gosh, it's the club version. Have we heard this one before? Jawan, where did you find this that? This is Jawan's new thing. Now he wants to play EDM remixes of this song. Oh my gosh. That is awesome. I love it. KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You're home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer, here to help you unlock the power of story in your home. Where's Tina? Bella's here. Here's Tina. This is really unique for us because, you know, when we're in the studio, we all don't get to sit together and uh, hang out. So I'm actually enjoying this thoroughly. Um, we're at the Great Pacific Air Show today at Huntington Beach, down at the pier. Uh, coming up next segment, I think we're going to do uh, have a quick talk with the director of the air show. Yeah, he's going to tell us everything that's going on here. Everything that's going on, everything, you know, how it got started, because it is a really unique air show. Somebody asked me earlier this week, they're like, well, uh, we're going to, when we go to the air show, you know, we're going to walk around the, where the planes are and everything. I'm like, no, 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 this is a totally different kind of air show. This is where... Everything is happening overhead, right along the beach, right over our heads. And uh, and what a gorgeous day it is. And it is a gorgeous... Hey, your mic is on. Hey. Hi. How about that? Welcome Wel- home. Welcome home. Uh, all right. So we should also do some show stuff, too. So uh, when I last left you, we were talking about the special environment that is the coast and the effect that coastal air has on our homes. Most of that, when it comes to the beach, and then I'm going to move on to a couple other environments, uh, most of that is about corrosion of metal. Now, of course, there are other considerations at uh, at the beach as well. There's wood considerations. There's UV sunlight. Uh, So I'm just going to throw that in there before I forget. Um, If you're building near the beach, if you're in that 3,000-foot area from the coast inland, you're in that special oxidation salt air corrosion zone. And obviously at the beach, you're also in the UV zone. Even when it is, you know, the old saying that even when it's uh, overcast, oh, that's when you really need to... That's when you really sunburn. You got to put on the sunscreen because it's going to catch up with you. So the reality is uh, if you're putting in new windows, you're getting replacement windows, you live here, if you've got hardwood floors, things like that, you want to be conscious of UV light streaming in the windows. And of course, the closer you get to the water, the more windows you want and the more glass in your house that you want. And so the more you need to be conscious of whether the glass that you're buying is filtering out enough UV light to keep things like your furniture and your drapes and your window coverings and your floors, especially darker floors, from bleaching in the sunlight because it will. Uh, We've all seen what happens to wood deck furniture. Uh, If we don't keep refinishing and refinishing it, it goes gray, right? That is not it. uh, That's not the the, the wood breaking down uh, per se. It is the effect of UV light on the uh, color pigments in the wood just graying it out. So back to metal. Copper and aluminum are not bad choices for uh, metal near the coast, but they are not the best. Anodized aluminum, which has got a special coating on it, is way better than standard aluminum because standard aluminum also can begin, it doesn't rust per se, but it starts to pit. The salt air starts to pit it out and you have this beautiful shiny aluminum finish and the next thing you know it gets kind of foggy and weird looking and cloudy and uh, sort of rough to the feel and you can't get it back. So. Aluminum is fine, but just expect that that might be a case. Copper falls in the same zone as aluminum as far as the ruddiness of the metal in a coastal environment. Obviously, you know, the Statue of Liberty has been standing on uh, in New York Harbor exposed to salt air for all of these years. She turned green pretty quickly, and she stays green. 
Uh, copper does deteriorate, but uh, the thing about copper that we all love is when it starts to deteriorate, we love it. We love the fact that it's got that green patina on it, all right? And that's fine, too. Uh, once the patina forms, it actually starts to protect itself a little bit more than usual, which is unusual for a metal that is technically deteriorating. So copper is a good choice, too. But the absolute best choice for a uh, coastal metal when it comes to exposed metals, railings, those kinds of things is stainless steel. The only thing I'm going to tell you is you got to be aware of what kind of stainless steel you're getting. The most common stainless steel on the market that is out there available uh, for building materials is what's called 304, type 304 stainless steel or category 304. And I told you I'm not going to get into the nerd weeds here, so I'm not going to explain what these numbers mean. Just know the most common stainless steel is 304, but 304 stainless steel is still susceptible to salt, air, and oxidation on a certain level. Now, it's way better than, than raw steel, and it's better than aluminum or copper, but it is still, still susceptible. 316 stainless steel, 316 stainless, that's the stuff that is pretty much bomb-proof at the beach. It is not as common as 304. So when you're buying stainless steel components for your beach house, you need to specify and you need to be asking the question, tell me the type of stainless that we're talking about. Is it 304? Is it 316? Ultimately, the whole discussion of corrosion at the beach comes down to a balance between cost, obviously, because, you know, we're not all gabillionaires, and uh, the distance you are from the water itself. If you're solidly within the 3,000-foot zone of the water, then you need to take it super seriously and maybe allocate more budget towards the higher quality metals. If you're 3,000 plus, if you're just on the edge, then you might find that, uh, for instance, a, a, a powder-coated steel, carbon steel roof, three or four thousand feet inland uh, could last 40 years where that exact same roof right on the coast might last you 10 right that's how quickly it dissipates out and if you're a mile in then you don't really have to take those things into consideration as well does that make sense so one last thing about the beach before we move on to a couple of their microclimates so we've been talking about the susceptibility of aluminum and the susceptibility of copper to corrosion and the fact that salt likes to cling to it, right? And then it, once salt is clinging to a metal, that's when it really starts eating away. So now a lot of people who live at the beach don't have air conditioning, okay? A few. But in Southern California, we all know it still gets hot at the beach, even though you've got the nice breezes. And so most coastal homes still have AC. Well, guess what? the condenser coil and all the fins on most AC units are made out of. A, copper, B, aluminum, or a combination thereof. All those little fins, the coil itself. I'm talking about the unit that is sitting outside that is being bombarded with salt air all the time. So, if you have one of those units, there are just two things you need to know. One, uh, 
you can help it live longer if you just get into a little preservative maintenance, which means you need to get your garden hose, not the high pressure sprayer, you'll bend over the fence, but the garden hose, just soft without a nozzle on it, and get on a regular basis, maybe every couple of months, just grab it for five minutes, go out there and rinse off the coil and the fins on your outdoor compressor, your condenser unit. That just rinses the salt off of the metal and uh, as a result, uh, it doesn't build up as much, it doesn't have as much opportunity to corrode, okay? So all it takes is uh, five minutes every couple of months to help that AC unit last longer if you're in that 3,000 foot zone. If you are changing out your AC unit, you need to ask the specific AC contractor that you're dealing with to give you a quote for a component unit that's designed for the coast, and there are. Carrier is one example. They're not a sponsor of the show. I'm just telling you that they make this. They actually make a coastal outdoor air conditioning unit. So they've taken the aluminum, they've taken the copper components, and they have specially coated them so that they last much, much longer in the coastal environment. So there are other manufacturers that do it as well, but you have to specify that you're looking for a coastal unit. All right? All right, when we come back, we're going to be talking to the uh, Kevin Elliott, the director of the Great Pacific Air Show. Uh, also, don't forget to so follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, at Home with Dean, the same handle for all of them. I'm so glad you joined me this morning. Hang tight. There is more to come. I think we're on. KFI, Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer, at your service. You're listening to Home with Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer. We are live today at the Great Pacific Air Show at the Huntington Beach Pier. Get yourself adjusted there. Uh, we're taking a little break from our topic just because we're here, and there's just no denying the fact that this is just a, an often, uh, awesome experience. So... I am sitting here with Kevin Elliott, who is the director of the Great Pacific Air Show. Kevin. Good morning, Dean. Welcome. I'm so glad you could be with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So tell us what's going on. I mean, this is, uh, this is amazing. This is year four of the air show, but uh, second year that you guys have, that you've been second in charge of Second year in command, it. right, exactly. Second year in command, and it's a banner year for you. We are just uh, absolutely, well, first of all, we're, we're, we're having amazing weather, so that's not hurting us, but uh, we are going to have one of the most amazing air shows of the year, um, probably the best air show of the year, the most stacked lineup of the year here, and today is our final day. It's going to be the warmest day that we've had so far, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the most ideal weather. And uh, we're just going to see some amazing performers from around the world. We're going to see three jet teams from three different countries, which just doesn't happen. The only air show in North America where you can go this year to see three jet teams from three countries. So we're going to see the Thunderbirds? Yep. We're going to see the... Uh, Canadian Forces Snowbirds. The Snowbirds and... The Royal Air Force Red Arrows from the UK. And not only are you going to see the Royal Air Force Red Arrows, but today is their finale performance 
on their North American tour. So they've been on a tour of North America, and they decided that they wanted to conclude in the biggest and best show, which is right here in Huntington Beach. So they're pulling out all the stops. They're pulling out oh, all the and stops. FYI, the Canadian team, the Snowbirds, also famous for being the most polite air show team. The Canadian Snowbirds are absolutely unbelievable. They are incredibly polite, but they're just super professional, <laughs> and they are uh, an absolute talent. People describe them kind of as a ballet in the sky. So um, we just love having those guys. This is their second time to Huntington Beach, so they're kind of they're veterans now. So it's going to be um, killer. Yeah. They're getting better at surfing, let's put it that way. So one of the things I love most about the air show, not only is it just like the world's greatest air show venue. I mean, it just right. doesn't get any better than that. We're sitting here right now. The air show is, you know, less than an hour away uh, from getting rolling. There's volleyball going on behind us. The surfers are still out there surfing. There was a, a parasailer up uh, ultralight guy buzzing around. People are just down here. There's all the shops, the restaurants. Uh, it's just in the pier, obviously. We had breakfast yeah. out at uh, Ruby's this morning right. before we started. So it's just such an awesome location. But what I love the most is you're a local boy. Yes, sir. Now, you run a uh, an event uh, company that does events all over the place, but this is a passion for you. You live just down the street, right? Correct, yeah. I grew up here in Huntington Beach and uh, started my business here about 13 years ago and have continued to grow it. We do events all over the country, but, um, you know, when this air show popped up in 2016, I came down with my wife and I watched the show from the beach and I said, this has got to be the greatest day at the beach in the history. Uh, I love airplanes. I'm a pilot. And I, uh, I said, you know, maybe I should reach out and see if these uh, guys need some help. And my wife, of course, said, you know, why would you do that? Then you're not going to be able to enjoy the air show anymore. <laughs> So, but I'm not going to say my wife was right, no. because I would never admit that, especially not on. So on you're not air. enjoying the air show? But uh, no, I am enjoying it just in a little bit of a different capacity. I have to say that it's been a true honor to be able to uh, run this event um, on behalf of the the city, um, our city staff, and our our first responders in this city are absolutely first class. And I'd love to say that the pilots. Uh, I don't know if you guys are aware, but we were awarded the 2018 uh, U.S. Air Force Civilian Show Site of the Year. Really? Um, and so that was a huge, huge deal, especially for a show that's only been around for three years as of last year um, and so I'd love to say that it was because you know of my good looks and charm but the reality is is it's Huntington Beach it's every experience that they have end-to-end -end from the public safety folks from the folks that they interact out at Los Al to our friends at the Lion Air Museum to the Short Break Hotel and on and on um, it, it's just a, it's a first-class operation here in Huntington Beach it's amazing it's just an amazing experience so uh, if you take 20 seconds what are you telling people about the air show today? Number one, it's free. Yes, it's a free show, largely a free show. We do have a limited amount of uh, tickets available still at PacificAirShow.com. Uh, there's a... Uh a lot of incentive to buying a VIP ticket. We have a couple of acts that are you can really see up there, particularly the Jetpack Men. I don't know if you heard about that, but on Friday we made history. We were the very first show, uh, or for the very first time, rather, in the history of the world that two Jetpack Men flew in front of a public display. So that happened right here. Again, I said the only air show in North America with three jet teams this year. Uh, we also have three demo teams. We have the A-10 demo team. We have two F-18s flying with an F-8F Bearcat, which is called a nail... Uh, Navy uh, tailhook legacy flight where the newer aircraft fly with the older aircraft and then everybody's favorite we have uh, dojo in the f-35 out there which is it's just be sweet I think the f-35 was designed to set off car alarms or something like that because that seems to be <laughs> what it does but um, yeah it's going to be an incredible lineup and then we do have 
if I can maybe tease this a little bit, a little bit of a surprise worked into the uh, to the lineup today. I think people who stick around uh, and watch the, the uh, tail end of the show, right between uh, the Thunderbirds and the Red Arrows, we're um, teasing a little uh, something special that uh, just doesn't happen that you guys are going to be able to see. So, Ooh, intrigue. Yeah, so have, right. your, have your cameras ready. That's all I'm going to say. All right, well, I'm going to let you go. I only have two requests. Okay. Number one, ready. is it too late for me to actually get up in one of the planes? Uh, You're too uh, big, honey. Hey. Too tall. Hey. <laughs> yes, I think it it's might be late? a little too late, but not too late for next year. All right, number two, is it too late for me to get a hat? No, it's never too late to get a hat. In okay. fact, we have see, see how I shot. I shot so high on the first one that the second one was just. It a just given. seemed. Yes, yeah, you're like that okay, was, it was well, very we good can't sales get Dean in the plane, there. but we are going to get him a hat. Kevin, yeah. thank, thank you, you so, so much, much, buddy, and thank you guys for being here. Thanks for all of our friends at KFI being down here supporting the air show. We really appreciate it. No problem. All right, everybody. When we come back, more of home with Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer. Let's, uh, you know, what we're going to do? We're going to leave the beach and we're going to go to the desert and the mountains, and we're going to talk about those special home environments live from the Great Pacific Air Show at the Huntington Beach Pier. KFI, AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You are home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. We are just cruising on with our live broadcast from the Great Pacific Air Show here in Huntington Beach at the Huntington Beach Pier. We started out with the breakfast crowd, just a few people. Now there are lots of folks sitting in front of us. Everybody just cheer up a little bit. Let me hear you. There it is. Behind me, there's volleyball going on. There's surfers up in the sky. There is nothing, and that is exactly what we want. Breezy day, no clouds, high visibility. It's going to be a great time for the air show, which is starting in just a little under an hour. So you still have time to get down here. Get a good seat. Every seat is a good seat because uh, they fly right over the beach. It is like the world's most unique air show uh, venue, and it's awesome. Plus... There's all of Huntington Beach down here. There's uh, the shops, there's the restaurants, there's the food. We got vendors here at the air show as well. There's the pier. We had breakfast at Ruby's out on the pier this morning, which is awesome. It's just a really, really great time. All right. I've been talking to you this morning uh, about special environments for your house. And I figured it would be appropriate because we're sitting in one of those special environments, the coast. And we've spent enough time talking about coastal stuff. So now I want to go uh, out and away a little bit, but still very much a part of Southern California, mountains and desert, which surprisingly we can take in, uh, in kind of one grab together because uh, with a couple of exceptions, uh, the rules for mountain and desert get very, very similar with each other. And that, that surprises a lot of people. It doesn't surprise me because of the general principles of putting together a really good house. When we say mountains, what are we talking about? Technically, we're talking about 2,000 feet above sea level and up. Now, for those of us in Southern California, that doesn't, uh, you know, for most of us who were born and raised here with mountains all around us, we're like, that's a hill. 2,000 feet above sea level is a hill. 
it's not a hill for anybody who comes from the Midwest, I'll tell you that, all right? Uh, or from Florida, where, uh, you know, the mean uh, elevation above sea level is like six feet uh, <laughs> overall. Um, no, these are mountains. And, but there's another reason. It's not an arbitrary designation. Here's the thing. If you're going to buy an appliance, uh, a gas appliance specifically, whether it's a water heater or a gas dryer, or a cooktop or a gas oven and you live above 2,000 feet above sea level it is at the 2,000 foot mark where you have to start taking into consideration alterations of that gas appliance in order for it to operate at peak efficiency did you guys know that Did you guys know it's it's a very simple fact that there is less oxygen as we get higher and higher elevation. So especially places that we've got Arrowhead and Big Bear and the San Bernardino Mountains, all of that stuff that's going on up there, we have to take into it, which is way above 2,000 feet. Uh, we, you have to take into consideration uh, the reduction of oxygen at that level and the way it affects the gas appliances. Every appliance seller in Southern California has experienced getting a call back from somebody who lives in the mountains saying, this thing is not working the way it's supposed to. It, you know, I, I, down at the store, I got this beautiful blue flame out of the cooktop. Up here, it's just kind of yellow or reddish looking, and I can't get it to work. And that is because whether you or the installer or somebody failed to mention to the store that this was a mountain application. So that's the bad news. The good news is that every major gas appliance manufacturer has an adapter kit for high altitude for their stuff. And basically what it comes down to is that there are some gas inlet valves uh, where the main gas flows into the unit that has to be choked down some in order to get that blue flame burn that you want on all of those appliances. So that is the key for high altitude living, okay? It's also really important uh, in high altitude situations with gas appliances that you've got a carbon monoxide detector as well because when we have combustion at uh, altitude, we produce more carbon monoxide, especially poor combustion, than we do down at sea level. And so carbon monoxide detectors are more and more important at high altitudes. Now, what do the mountains have to do, uh, have in common with the desert? In the mountains, we get really uh, cold weather and we get snow and we get ice. And in the desert, it gets really hot and also very cold. Actually, the desert gets surprisingly cold. Mm -hmm. If you don't live in the desert, you don't really think about that because you just think hot in the desert, cold in the mountains. But there can be as much as a 40 degree temperature differential every day, especially during the winter in the desert from nighttime uh, freezing temperatures up to normal spring-like temperatures during the day. The moral of the story is very simply this when it comes to mountain and desert living insulation in fact that is the moral of the story for green living all throughout california we have to get over the idea that insulation is about keeping you warm insulation is not about keeping you warm insulation is not about keeping you cool insulation belongs in every home in its maximum capacity because insulation is about breaking a connection between the energy outside the house and the energy inside the house. That's what insulation does. That's all it is. Who was I talking to uh, the other day and they were amazed. They, they, they were wondering at the mystery. I think it was Bill. It was Bill Handel. Of course it was Bill Handel. He was amazed at the mystery of his thermal mug because he's like, it keeps things cold. 
all day long, but then it also keeps my coffee hot. I don't understand. How does it do that? Well, it's very simply this. It's insulation. Insulation is what breaks the energy outside. So if there's low energy outside, meaning it's cold, it allows you to stay warm on the inside and it holds that in. That's uh, the mountains. In the desert, when there's high energy outside, you want to keep it out of the house so that you stay cool inside. So building in the desert, remodeling in the desert, building in the mountains, remodeling in the mountains, it's all about insulation. It's what we call decoupling the energy outside the house from inside the house. And that applies all throughout Southern California, but especially in these specialized extreme environments. All right, we're having such a good time. I'm just talking on and uh, we're up against a break again. When we come back, I think we're going to have another question from our audience here and then uh, a few closing thoughts and uh, wrap it up here. We are broadcasting live from the Great Pacific Air Show in Huntington Beach, California. I'm Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. Rocio Rivera has the news. KFI, Dean Sharp, the house whisperer, welcome home from the great Pacific Air Show at the Huntington Beach Pier in Huntington Beach, California. We've been broadcasting all morning from this beautiful place. Hey, everybody, let's hear it. You can say it loud. You can, you can be on the radio. Here's your <laughs> shot. There they are. We actually have hundreds of people out here right now. It was a very Gorgeous thin day. morning crowd. Well, hundreds of people sitting right in front of us. Yes. And there are going to be millions of people here today. That's what I've been told. Like over the million mark wow. because this is just such a fantastic air show. And it is gorgeous. Uh, my only complaint about the stage here, uh, number one, it's like way too big because we're just sitting down here under this thing. Too but tall, yeah. but it, we're facing the wrong direction because I have to turn back to actually see the beach and stuff. But all right, we'll figure that out later. We'll work it out next time. All right. Um, Bella, do we have a question from the audience? We have one more. Okay, let's do it. Hi. Uh, my question is, um, years ago, my first home, I uh, had a bad experience uh, with mold. I have a new respect for that because it almost killed me. Ended up in the hospital with asthmatic pneumonia. Lungs were bleeding. Oh, my gosh. Um, so now I own a home here in Huntington Beach, and so... You know, you see why I have a phobia of it. Of it. Um, I had a mishap. We had our floors done upstairs, and the people that put in uh, the floors, we have a washer and dryer. He didn't put the hose in, so kitchen got flooded. Water went down through the wall, uh, which shares the exterior wall to outside. So my concern now is, you know, is there going to be mold? Is there a way I can test for that myself? Is there something I can buy at Home Depot or a tester? You know what, that's a really good question. I'm not sure if Home Depot or Lowe's has mold test kits off the shelf. I believe, though, online you can actually get those kits uh, through both of those places. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that places like Home Depot and Lowe's, they have a massive inventory of stuff because, you know, they've, they, they sell all across the country. Um, a lot more things on the online store than they have sitting on the shelf at your local one because the local stuff gets really regional. So I'm not exactly sure if it's on the shelf but you can order one and then um, 
you know, through Amazon or uh, you know a hundred other different sources, there are self-test mold kits that you can get. I just want you to make sure that it's been rated, that it has uh, uh, mold certification ratings uh, on it. It's going to be an ANSI, I think an ASTM or an ANSI uh, certification, just so that you know that it's legit, right? Because you know, there's always some guy throws a couple of things in a bag and sells it online and says this is a mold sort this is a mold test kit so uh, just make sure that it's been rated by a, a reputable uh, rating establishment uh, but yeah the key to your situation is uh, okay thanks Tina uh, the key to your situation is simply that uh, moisture and air right mixed together in a dark place that's where the mold wants to take off, right? Now, it doesn't mean that every time a inside of a wall gets moist, it gets moldy. It doesn't mean. So you don't have to panic about that, right? Uh, and mold can be taken out in its early stages super, super easy with some anti-mold uh, cleaners and disinfectants, a little bleach and, uh, and a little scrubbing. So all in all, uh, if you're concerned about a wall cavity, I always say this. Drywall is really inexpensive uh, in the long run, right? So open up a stud bay, take a look. Just one stud bay, take a look and see. If you don't see excessive moisture or mold issues there, there probably isn't any in the wall to the left or the right of it, and you're probably good to go. But the test kit is always a winner. Thank you so much for your question. All right, we're up against it, right? We are. Somebody uh, gave me a big hug earlier this morning. They said that the favorite thing about our show, other than the advice, is uh, the little thing that we do at the end of the show. But we're here at uh, the Great Pacific Air Show. So is it going to be any different? No, it is not. So I thank everybody for listening this morning. Thank you guys for being here this morning with us. It's a privilege to be here in front of you every week. And I'm going to leave you with this thought today. Autumn is here. To say that it is my favorite time of year is an understatement. For me, there are only two times of year. There is autumn and there is waiting for autumn. That's, uh, those are my seasons. <laughs> Clothes feel better in the autumn. Air feels better. Food tastes better. Autumn to me is a deep thing. The playwright uh, Mehmet Ilden wrote, Winter is dead. Spring is crazy. Summer is cheerful, but autumn is wise. I think that's uh, true. Nature herself celebrates all that she has accomplished in the harvest. And then, after a few deep breaths, she steps back and she prepares to rest. And I know in places like here in Huntington Beach, Surf City, USA, it is easy to dream of endless summers. But as the naturalist Hal Borland once said, summer must end and autumn must come. And he who would have it otherwise would never know the rhythms that are at the heart of life. Autumn is wise. She speaks to us of change and of the impermanence of all things. Not in a cynical or hopeless way, though, but rather by reminding us that nothing lasts forever precisely so that we might better value every moment that we have. Autumn reminds me that there is a time to harvest and there's a time to celebrate and savor the harvest. Autumn reminds me that nature thinks it's okay to drop your leaves for a while, press pause, take a break from striving, from producing, to reflect, reimagine, reconnect with your truest self. Autumn is the doorway to the most universally sacred time of the year, not because of our religious tradition saying so, but simply because when life grows cold and the days grow short, 
human beings will always find ways to hold on to each other and keep each other warm. So let's do that. And let's not miss another moment. Autumn is here. The holidays are coming. Now may not be the optimal time to start building a beautiful home, but it is without question the perfect time to build yourself a beautiful life. Everybody, thanks for joining us this morning. Enjoy the air show. We will see you next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.